Detectives of Reddit, what are some of the creepiest cases you have worked on? Alright, detective now but this happened, when I was on patrol several years ago. Got a call to check the welfare of a guy whose neighbor hadn't seen him in a couple years. Why it took so long to report. But it was out in a rural area. Anyway, we roll up, and the windows are black with mold and flies. Car is parked in the garage. No signs of forced entry. Breach the door and find said guy wrapped up in a phone cord beside a toppled chair in his dining room. He was mummified slash melting into the carpet. Barely recognizable as a human aside from his shape and clothes. The smell of him mingled with the inches of stagnant water in his basement from burst pipes and all the dead flies and mold. I'll never forget it. We also found two bags of groceries neatly packed on the floor in his kitchen house. Was very tidy as well. No witnesses. Estranged from his family. Clearly had a cat, but we never found its remains. Medical record indicated he had a heart condition. My theory is he was having a heart attack, and tried to call me one honor but never got to make the call. Perhaps the creepiest part? His mailbox was overflowing with past due bills, and cancelled utility notices. The last one was a couple months old, and it's still too someone that long to call. Detective here, attached to a coastal town with a fishing wharf. Started work one day, when we get a call from the water police who have responded to our abandoned boat floating off the coast. They have towed it into the bay where they requested our assistance and they would advise us further on arrival. We head down thinking someone had stolen the boat or something else routine. When we get there we are told, that no one went further than the entrance, before it was sealed off as a crime scene. We have a quick look below the deck and see why. Three people, clearly dead with one slumped over the wheel one on the floor and the other in a chair. No struggle, no injuries and nothing out of place. Completely silent other than the water on the hull and the fender squeaking against the police launch. Turned out to be an accident. Lack of upkeep on the very old engine meant fumes leaked in, and the three were poisoned. At which point the engine just ran, until the diesel was gone. My brother, not me. I usually tell this long and dramatic, but here is the quick to the punch version. Schizophrenic woman reported, being watched by ghosts at the abandoned funeral home. Turned out when investigating, someone or something, dum 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 was actually watching the people in her building and keeping crude logbooks of their coming and goings, and left some of them in the place. My brother's theory was, that they were discovered slash almost discovered and fled. Anyways no idea what kind of crime was being planned, but that whole thing sounded creepy as frick to me. Forensic account here. I had a client whose employee had used the company account for payments to a graphic designer. Except instead of marketing materials, he had commissioned dollar sign 15k worth of lolly and sonic pronoun. Ex-insurance investigator here. The most unsettling arson case I worked, was at the Masonic Temple in the historic Black Business District in downtown Birmingham AL. This beautiful 8-story Renaissance Revival style building, was constructed in the 1920s, and included a massive marble lobby, and a grand, and I mean grand ballroom. It also housed numerous black-owned businesses, like tailors, dressmakers, attorneys, doctors, dentists, the NARP, ETC etc. After integration and white flight, the business is closed or moved, resulting in the building becoming vacant with the exception of the still-functioning masons. Even though the building was heavily secured and guarded by a single security officer, it was still breached by squatter slash crackheads. 
who managed to cause a fire on the third floor. That's where I came in. My job was to determine the source, cause, and extent of the fire damage. That meant exploring the entire building, which had no electricity, because the fire department cut it, until it was deemed safe to resume electrical services. The grand ballroom took up the entire second floor, and luckily had no damage, so I just admired the exquisite millwork and decor. The third floor housed mostly professional offices, some even contained their original mid-century furniture, in pristine condition. The fourth floor however, became darker. Literally darker. I used a flashlight to advance down the gloomy hallways, and inspect every room. I found an arc office, that was literally frozen in time, file cabinets and all. As I was moving down the second hallway my eyes fixated on a large, looming structure in the far corner. I slowly made my way closer, nervous about what I would find. Finally I was close enough to discover. A freaking coffin. An old Dracula style coffin, standing up at the end of the hall. I didn't dare touch it, as I ascended the building, alone. Each floor proved darker and gloomier than the one before, even though each floor had the same amount of windows. And the further up I moved, the more freaking coffins I found. In the middle of offices, in closets, blocking doors from the inside. It made no sense, until I got to the top floor. There, I found only two businesses. A coffin company, and the Order of the Eastern Star. I had an overwhelming feeling, that I absolutely should not be there, especially not snooping around the OES lodge. I snapped a few pics, then bolted down the hall and hit the stairwell to the lobby. The only area I hadn't inspected was the basement, and I wasn't sure my nerves were up to it. I discovered a full fallout shelter down there, hundreds of drums of community shelter supplies, water, food, medical supplies, radiation detectors, everything. The whole building was a massive time capsule, and I felt like I went back in time just being there. That was definitely my most interesting and spooky investigation. This happened when I was a newer cop on patrol, long before I became a detective. I was working midnights in a neighborhood with a high violent crime rate, and we got sent to a dispute at a bar. This wasn't just any bar, we always referred to it as a Star Wars cantina, because it was always a shoot show we stopped a grape in progress in the dirt alley behind the same bar not long after this. I was working with a female that night. We make our way through the bar systematically booting people out, and get to the bathrooms. I opened the door to the men's room and it's empty single stall bathrooms. My female partner goes to open the women's bathroom door but it's locked. She knocks on the door and a female says, it'll be out in a minute. We advise her that the bar is closing bars close at 4am in New York. After a couple of minutes we begin to grow impatient. Female partner knocks on the door again, and the female agrees to open the door. When she comes out, we ask her what took so long. She's not providing any substance in her answers. She's wearing tight yoga pants, and we notice that she has a large bulge in the back of her pants slash crotch. We believed she was either doing drugs in the bathroom, and shoved the rest in her pants, or that it was a weapon. When we question her about it, she's very evasive and won't answer us. Female partner begins to search her. As she pulls back the female's pants and shines her flashlight down to look, my partner says, fuck. She sees a baby arm sticking out from the female's vagina, and up through her ass cheeks. This chick had been drinking and smoking crack all day. 
she had a stillborn, and continued to stay at the bar and drink slash smoke crack. When the ambulance arrived, they went back into the bathroom with the female, and pulled the rest of the baby out of the female, and into the toilet bowl. The baby was completely formed, except it never formed a head. It was just sunken in around the neck. I've seen some crazy shoot in my career like brutal homicides etc. But that one always stands out the most. I have a couple that I was tangentially involved with. First one that comes to mind was this kid, smart kid, Chinese student coming to America for school on an engineering scholarship I believe, was dating a girl during undergrad, but they broke up, so he could go to grad school at an Ivy League. She started talking to someone else a while after they broke up, and he caught wind of it. He bought an airsoft gun and some knives online, next day airshipped them to his apartment, drove back to where his ex lived and staked out her house, taking meticulous notes about the comings and goings, when his ex was home, when her roommate was home. He went and knocked on the door when just the roommate was home, brandished the airsoft gun like it was a BB gun, and negotiated his way in. He bound and gagged to roommate, and waited for his ex to get back. When she finally got back, he forced her at gunpoint to sit in a chair where he tied her up and taped over her mouth. He stabbed her in the neck once and then just stared at her, expecting that to kill her instantly, like a movie or video game. When it didn't, he stabbed her, I don't know how many more times, but a lot more. To me the creepy part is a level of planning that he did. I can understand a crime of passion, but this was so dispassionate. To have enough time to order your murder weapons online and have them delivered, then drive hours to the destination of your murder and plan it out, and at no point get the feeling that you shouldn't follow through with this act. To me that's the sign of a true sociopath. Not a detective, but a forensic computer examiner for my local sheriff's department. I work closely with detectives and do lots of investigative work, so I feel like I can accurately contribute to the conversation. Despite what the title suggests, a lot of my work is actually based on cell phone dumps. I once got a request from a detective to dump a guy's phone because he was attempting to sell our county jail jumpsuits don't ask me why I won't know why anyone would want to buy one or how he even got a hold of one. So I did what I'm supposed to and dumped his phone's data into a report for the detective to go through. Problem was, there was way more on the phone than what we had bargained for. Turns out the guy was really into underage girls. To the point that he had thousands of images of CP on the device. So I called the detective up and informed him that he was going to need another warrant to cover the CP for the device. So he did and began creating a CP case against the guy. Several days later it was time for the guy's prelim hearing for the county jumpsuit sales. He left the courthouse after the hearing and was immediately rearrested for the CP violations. He had a backpack on him with three more phones in it. I was given said phones to dump for the new CP case. Same amount of CP on all three devices as on the first one. This wasn't necessarily a super creepy bone chilling case, but it sure as hell makes you realize how much of that stuff is actually out there, and it's hidden in plain sight a lot of the time. I used to work with a retired LAPD beat cop of 30 years in his retirement fund money gig working on an ambulance. He told me this story that sent chills down my spine. He pulls over this sedan for expired tags, and neither the driver or passenger has any paperwork, driving illegally and they're both acting shady as frick, so he calls for backup, detains them, and searches the car. 
he finds two dead young teenage girls in the trunk. Here naked, bound, and gagged and had been mutilated, and there was tons of devices obviously meant for torture. He calls in the homicide detectives, and the cavalry comes. The two guys are hauled away to jail, and his day wraps up after all the normal procedures and paperwork has been filed. And he says that was the last he ever heard of that case. Nothing. No subpoenas. No testimony to a grand jury. No interviews for the homicide detectives. No stories in the paper. Nothing. He said it wasn't his normal area and didn't know the other cops and detectives that showed up, so that it's possible it just got lost in the enormity of the LA justice system, but he always wondered if there wasn't some shady shoot going on. Okay I I I I I, here's a non-joke, but it's my husband's story, he is a detective. Someone dumped a body in an alley right by the PD, but in a spot that no one frequented. So after a few days in midsummer heat the body melted so bad they couldn't ID by looks or tattoos, just the clothes and hair, and DNA once they figured out who she was. Long story short it was a serial killer who had dumped her, and they found CCTV of him stalking people at the local shopping center, right after he dumped the body. They watched him spend over 4 hours walking around, leaving to his car, and changing clothes slash hat, and going back in, following women for a bit, changing his mind. He left empty handed, and ended up getting, caught a couple states away the following week. Creepiest part for me was, that I went shopping there the same day. Made me thankful for all the situational awareness training I got from my dad also a detective. Made my husband more paranoid, but that's a different story. I guess since Op forgot the serious tag and literally no one has replied who is actually a detective yet. I used to work as an EMT. When I first started I went on a prison call, once our part had a medical issue, and on the way to our patient me, and my partner witnessed another inmate eviscerate himself somehow. He was beating on his his hospital cell door screaming for painkillers, and how now you'll have to take me to the hospital and the nurses non-pulsed were like yeah we called someone, but don't sweat it this is like the third time has tried this. Also we were warned not to try and go in, and help him cause he would most certainly attack us. Dude has his intestines hanging out, and entire staff seemed to think it was no big deal. Kinda crazy. I soon learned how fricked up prison hospitals are eventually I too became desensitized. Edit. Fixed a typo. Insurance adjuster here. I'm not a detective, but I do lots of fraud investigations. The ones that aren't fraudulent sometimes just turn out to be really freaking weird. The winner for me hands down is the man who claimed he was terrorized by mole people. I know, I know. Mole people sounds like something I would make up for fake internet points. We had a laugh about the adjuster potentially trying to pad their claims count, because this man filed 60 claims in about 7 months. For context the average is like 1 a year for most policies. After talking with this gentleman, I no longer had doubts. My in-person interview was about 2 hours. I had more than enough in the first 5 minutes, and was trying to leave for most of it, but he kept blocking the door, or directing me the wrong way, to keep the mole people off my scent. It was kind of sweet in a twisted way, he genuinely thought the mole people would come after me, if I didn't follow his rules. He directed me to park the old company car about a mile away on a concrete parking flat he had made. We couldn't walk on the dirt road there, then old people constantly changed where it went. 
The claims he filed were all in similar veins. The mole people moved his car every night with magnets and damaged the suspension and the noise kept our insured awake. Feed steal his hubcaps and put them back before they thought he would notice, but he noticed and they were covered in scratches from being pulled through the dirt. They would use long thin sticks from underground to siphon gas or wipe a fluid or oil, but never more than a few drops. And for every one of these things he would file a claim which would inevitably be well below his deductible. We decided there was no fraud, but a call to adult protective services was merited. My boyfriend was a detective in this case. An officer doing a wellness check on an elderly woman spoke with her son. He said she was out at the moment, but she was doing well. He spoke in detail about what she was up to lately and all that. The officer noticed a strong smell coming from the yard though. I'm sure you see where this is going, as I don't think pretending a deceased relative alive to keep receiving their benefits is uncommon. The officer turned the case over to a detective my boyfriend, who returned with a warrant. There were two houses, a main house, and a small apartment style house in the backyard where the mother once lived. When they entered, the son seemed calm, showed them right to the mother, continued to speak, as if she was still alive and well. In the bed, they found the body, that had clearly been there for a long time. It was like a putrid puddle. The stench was unbearable. The son adamantly refused, that she was dead, insisting she had just been up, and around the main house yesterday. I learned this story about from my boyfriend as an explanation as to, why he always uses so much cologne, air fresheners, scented fabrics softeners, etc. The smell is apparently something you never forget. Not a detective, but I know a creepy case. A friend of mine grew up in a big family, housed with her immediate family plus an uncle and grandparents. Sometimes her and her brother would wake up with things written on their faces in permanent texture. Just random phrases nothing too shocking. The kids were about 8 or 9 years old. They both denied doing it and no one looked any further into it. Anyway eventually the uncle is killed in his bed, stabbed to death. The police investigate, and it turns out there's a dude living in their roof. I've heard this one many times from the detective's friend as it's the most told story they were undercover in a mob, and gathered enough evidence, to search a house the guys used a lot. The search led them to a basement filled with water halfway up the stairs. They shone flashlights and didn't see anything at first, then saw something glinting in the water. They turned to go up the stairs to get a brighter light, and along the walls in the door frame were gouges, the back of the door too. They got their bright lights, and went back down, and it turns out the bad guys had two crocodiles in there, and when someone pissed them off they put them in the basement, and locked the door. Gouges had skin particles in them was by far the craziest slash creepiest case I heard, and there's quite a few cops in the family. I honestly think it's stupid that you should have to add a serious tag to your credit post if you want it taken seriously. credit posts should be serious by default. If you want a joke thread, you should have to add a satire tag. I freaking hate seeing a good question, only to realize the thread is nothing but left funny jokes. We had a case where a guy killed 5-6 members of his family, and when the police came to the scene he was eating one of his family members balls on the front lawn, I suppose to get their strength. Not a detective. Actually trying to be a firefighter now. Anyway I had an internship at the sheriff's office back where I lived. Guy came in, because a guy was threatening him over text, and sending him pictures. 
One was three severed heads might have been fake, but the other one I saw was a guy with a bullet hole in his head. The bullet wound looked pretty real. The dude's head looked like it should been smaller, but getting a bullet to it expanded it like balloon. My dad was a detective and told me and my siblings briefly about a case where a killer would take a different part of each body. He had collected two legs, a torso, and one arm. His motive was that he wanted someone to play with 